What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond, and you're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. It's media day, y'all. The NBA season officially kicked off at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum as the 2019-2020 Portland Trail Blazers met the press and probably more importantly did a bunch of promotional video stuff for the Blazers themselves. All those fun little in-arena things get filmed today. But also, after those fun little arena things happen, players sit down and do a little press conference with assembled media. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the news that came out of Media Day. It is usually very little in the modern NBA landscape. With social media, you know what these dudes have been doing. So mostly just small updates, updates that they wouldn't otherwise share, and that's what we got we're going to start with maybe the biggest update. Yusuf Nurkic has health. He spoke to the press. Well, he spoke to me briefly during the playoffs, but he did not talk about his leg. But he spoke to the press for the first time since then. Gave an update on where his health is. Also, the Anthony Simons hype train just keeps gaining momentum, and is just barreling down the tracks into the regular season. Neil Olshay, his biggest fan, cannot help himself. So we'll talk a little about the hype that Anthony got yet again from the Blazers president of basketball operations. And finally, in the third segment, we'll just talk about news of the day, little tidbits, some small things here and there that trickled out as players spoke to the media and whatnot. But let's start with Yusuf Nurkic. Going to play you a little audio from his media session. I thought um, he was particularly thoughtful in the way he discussed his injury and his approach to rehab. So let's hear a little bit from Nurk. I think, you know, I have a different approach. Um, it was it was hard, but it was not definitely in the struggle because I don't feel that way. You know, struggle is out there on, on the street. Like when people surviving, you know, I look at myself and I have pretty much everything in my life. Um Whatever I ask for, the God give it to me. So I think I work hard enough for that. And uh, I think my injury is just, you know, one setback in, in, in my job. And for me, it was more like what I can do today to get better at what I have to get. Like, And um, injury is part of the sport, so it's part of the job. And um, to me, I was glad, you know, as look bad as it was, I, you know, kind of get away with the with the bone broken which is going to heal back and I'm going to be good you can hear Yusuf Nurkic give almost a zen approach to how he's recovering from a pretty serious injury he says it's not a struggle because there's people out there going through actual struggle uh that's certainly true but he is going to not play basketball for a long time that is the reality of it regardless of his sort of uh the way he approaches it holistically so Neil Olshay spoke a little bit about what the timeline look for Nurk looks like for Nurkic. Spoiler, not a ton of details. And also how the Blazers approached his injury this summer just as a franchise. And apologies, the first 10 seconds of this audio are a little bit jacked up, but it gets a lot better, so stick with me. So, you know, we have another benchmark. Uh, you know, we'll give it to him. We're going to stay purposely vague at this point. Um, he's in working out. He's shooting. Um, we had guys with him all summer. Um, he's tracking on the proper timeline, but like I said, I think what we're going to do, just so you guys know with Nurk, anytime there's a new benchmark, we will give it to you guys. Um, but we're not going to have Nurk watch, you know, 2019. So he, he, yeah, 
yeah, we can move on. Um, but he's been great. You know, um, you know, Logan and Jess basically spent the majority of the summer um, in Eastern Europe, splitting their time between Bosnia and Zagreb. Um, we had someone with him con- basically constantly. He did a great job. He stayed with us through the middle of July. And then we had guys with him right up until Labor Day um, doing rehab with him. So he's in great shape. His, his weight is terrific. It's right where we would want him to be if he were playing. And now it's just a matter of increasing his load and hitting all of these thresholds and making sure we don't um, accelerate things and, and, and work and end up having a setback. That's the key. We want, when he comes back, we want him to be ready to come back fully confident in the leg. So the Blazers are going to be intentionally vague. I think February is the sort of amorphous date that you can look, uh, you can really start Nurk Watch. Because listen, we're going to do Nurk Watch whether Neil wants us to or not, y'all. But outside of Nurk Watch jokes, uh, sounds like the Blazers are pleased or at ease with Nurk's progress. Uh, Neil Olshay mentioned a couple names in there in case you don't know who those are. Logan Sullivan is one of their sports scientists. And Jess, it's Jess Ellis, who is the director of player health and performance. So before we uh, switch gears a little bit, I'm going to close out this segment with a little bit of Nurk about what he's doing. He talks about how he's running on a treadmill and doing um, practices to strengthen his leg. He's not playing basketball yet. He's doing things that a guy his size, you know, 280 pounds or whatever, has to do to get back to playing basketball. So uh, in this next clip, he's going to talk a little bit about kind of what he's doing and how he's approaching it. I mean, I'm doing everything pretty much. Um, you know, trying to get stronger on my leg. And, um, you know, I've been blessed for the last but six months. I didn't have, I've been pain-free. So that was a really good, went really smooth. Um, to be able, you know, to, to take my rehab back home. And that was helpful, really, you know, clear my mind and, um, came back ready to, to the even next step, which is like more aggressive towards basketball and, um, basketball movements. But I, you know, like I said, a lot of stuff you can't control in their life and injuries one part. So I move on. I'm not looking back and, um, all I care how I can get back. So the big news out of Media Day isn't much news at all. I don't think we learned anything new about Yusuf Nurkic. I think it's it's probably noteworthy that the Blazers sent health specialists to be with him all summer in uh, in Europe. But we kind of knew they would do that. That's how professional franchises handle important players. Uh, I think it's significant that he says he's moving around, running on the treadmill and doing things like that. But you kind of think when you saw him walking around the playoffs that three months later he would be doing some sort of cardio type things. And I think it's noteworthy that he's been pain-free for six months. Um, He just hit the six-month window five days ago, so maybe he's kind of uh, overstating that. But pain-free is important nonetheless. But... I think it's important when this, why this is news coming out of media day is because he isn't saying, I'm going to come back in, in February. I'm coming back before the All-Star break. And the Blazers are, like Neil Olshay said, intentionally vague. So the news out of media day, the big sort of headline news, is that Yusuf Nurkic is probably not part of the plan until the All-Star break. Which means that I think this is the right thing to do. You can start shifting your focus for this team, and this team can start shifting their focus to what this roster looks like without Yusuf Nurkic. 
And one of the key components to what this roster looks like without Yusuf Nurkic is the growth of young guys behind him. And that's why, yet again, the great conductor of the hype train himself, Neil Olshay, could not help himself hyping up second-year guard Anthony Simons. That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. The hype is getting louder. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Check it out. Neil Olshay back at it again, hyping up Anthony Simons, sometimes prompted, sometimes unprompted. Who plays prompted uh, answers in a little bit, but let's start with this. In response to a question where he was asked about the strength of the Western Conference, Neil Olshay somehow shoehorned this little tidbit in. It's fantastic. Uh, I think we've had the best young guard in the NBA in Anthony. Ah, uh, yes. The best young guard in the NBA in Anthony Simons, who most of us have barely seen play. Look, I, I'm, I'm kind of being mean to Neil for no reason, but, I, but part of me thinks it kind of is unfair to keep talking about how good Anthony Simons is going to be. Damian Lillard, uh, I'm not going to play you his answer because it's much longer and we just don't have time for that, y'all. But Damian Lillard had a much more measured response talking about how he's worked out with Anthony Simons over the summer and that they've spent a lot of time together and they've just had a lot of time to talk about expectations and things like that and that Anthony will be able to handle the good and handle the bad because he's a hard worker and he's someone who kind of gets it. And Dame talked about how sort of being able to spend time with him away from the court and being... and how much he was willing to learn as a rookie who was watching makes him think that he'll be able to bounce back and, and from, from off nights. And, and Dame talking about like these inevitable off nights. Um, and I know Neil wasn't, um, isn't saying that Anthony Simons will never have a bad time, but I just can't help but laugh every time he says all those glowing things about Anthony Simons. I think Anthony Simons is going to be good. Like, I think he can score in the NBA right now. I think he can develop into much more than that. But we don't know. What, most of what we know about Anthony Simons is one game against the Kings where he played all 48 minutes and was truly fantastic. And Neil Olshay continuing to say nice things about him. So in the spirit of that, I want to play you a clip of Neil Olshay saying really nice things about Anthony Simons. Uh, the beginning of this question is uh, a reporter asking Neil how he knows Anthony's going to pop in year two. Just watching him play every day. Um, back to um, you know this question. Again, he wouldn't be there if he hadn't been with Damon CJ all year. Watching how they work, how they approach things. If he hadn't been with our coaching and our development staff. Um, he's done a great job. He's grown an inch since we drafted him. He's put on 10 pounds. He's longer. Um, his handle's tighter. Um, I think you guys all saw at the end of the season and then saw in Summer League. He's really gifted. Um, he really is. Uh, you know, he he's he fits that model. We always like to have that third guard that can play either position, that can play with Dame or CJ. Um, what's unique about it this year is we also have Bays. So it's not in a vacuum, just that triangle of three guys where we've had, you know, with Baz, with Seth, with Steve Blake, you know, that that role, that Mo Williams role. Um, because we do have Bays, who's been really elite in all of our September workouts. But there's an opportunity there for him, and he's going to have to deliver, you know, when he gets the opportunity. But... In terms of just his natural gifts, he's as gifted a basketball player as anyone I've drafted in my 15 years in the league. Neil Olshay has, of course, drafted Damian Lord, CJ McCollum, and Eric Bledsoe. 
So he knows, I guess, about drafting uh, pretty good guards. And frankly, I'm mostly playing this clip because it isn't anything new. We've heard Neil do this so many times that it's almost like a running joke. In fact, it's a running joke on this year's podcast, is that the guy who claims to know the most about why Anthony's going to pop is the dude who has the most invested in him being really good. Now, Neil isn't the only dude hyping up Anthony Thomas. Let me be clear. I'm just kind of picking on him. Last year, Blazers veterans said he can really, really play. In Summer League, other media members and NBA types were quick to gush over him and writing big profiles about how he was going to be a, a key contributor. Damian Lord hasn't shied away, shied away from saying that Anthony's really good. But, nonetheless, Neil is the dude who keeps saying how good Anthony's going to be and how surprised we're going to be. And Neil's also the dude who cleared the decks, basically, for him to play. But he does make a good point. It's not completely clear. And we'll have to get into this as the season goes on. It'll be, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. He mentions Kent Bazemore playing guard, being the fourth guard. I kind of think the way this Blazers roster shakes out, that um, Bazemore is more small forward than shooting guard, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to track. And nonetheless, Anthony Simons is going to play a ton. Whether Neil believes in it or not, the Blazers are counting on Anthony Simons to be a real contributor. I think that's kind of the subtext of him talking about how good he is and how ready he is. Because uh, remember... Uh, I think we've had the best young guard in the NBA in Anthony. Look, I don't know what best young guard means. I don't even know how to measure it. But I sure am excited to see what Anthony Simons looks like this year because I have never heard Neil hype up someone like this. C.J. McCollum didn't get half this attention. And maybe that was circumstantial because C.J. had veterans in front of him and Anthony Simons doesn't, but I have never heard Neil O'Shea talk about a young player like this. So I am fascinated and, and, and genuinely excited to see what Anthony Simons looks like in his first you know, real season as an NBA player. In the third segment, I want to close this episode out, just giving you the tidbits of the day, what you need to know from Media Day. We'll, I'll have a ton more coming from, uh, from this later this week, and also as the Blazers open practices and start um, doing the things you do during regular season, which is talk to the media frequently. There's going to be news, y'all. We're starting to get into the flow of it. But in the third segment, I just want to make sure you have the little headlines, and we'll come back and dive deeper later in the week. So stick with me. All right, still Lockdown Blazers, still Mike Richmond, still pass first point guard, and we're still talking all things media day. Here's what you need to know. Pau Gasol is hopeful to be ready for opening night. He is coming back and doing controlled contact in 5-on-5. Five five. He's not fully cleared to play he's 39 years old I don't know how much he needs to tune up he kind of knows how to do it if he's in shape physically like if he has his wind he'll be ready to play basketball but the Blazers aren't rushing him back and he wouldn't commit to being ready on opening night he's going to be a little bit limited when training camp starts it'll be interesting to see how much we see of him in preseason games if at all and he's still recovering from that foot surgery and so he he used the word hopeful he's hopeful he's ready for opening night Blazers have some other options um, along the front line. They don't desperately need Pau Gasol, but they signed him with the intention that he would play. So 
I assume the Blazers want him to be healthy, but they're also going to take a long approach. In the same vein as Yusuf Nurkic's health, uh, Yusuf Nurkic's health, the Blazers aren't going to rush Pau Gasol back to be ready in October if he needs to get to November. Um, I think things are pointing towards him playing early in the season, but he, we got no commitment on media day. Another note, quickly, is uh, the Blazers talked a little bit about load management. It seems to be, uh, it was a big theme last year. Uh, it will certainly be part of some teams' game plans this year, although the Clippers have already come out saying that they're not going to rest Kawhi Leonard the same way. Um, so maybe we see it a little bit less. But there's still going to be some load management type of games. It's the way the league works. So many teams need to sort of get to... Get, be healthy in the playoffs and not just get there. The West doesn't always afford those things. And I think the Blazers touched on that reality a little bit at Media Day today when uh, someone was asking Neil Olshay about Damian Lillard and he said, he's 29 years old, not 40. But what he was really saying was that they're not going to take games off because the Blazers have a thin margin for error. And what Neil touched on then later in his comment um, after noting Damian Lillard's age, was that load management will probably happen more in practices than in games. And how I know that that is something the uh, organization has talked about is because Terry Stotts came up to the podium and said the same thing, is that maybe the way you find rest for these guys is just not ever going hard in practice. He talked about how you can be smart about how much you exert yourself physically in practices. And with a veteran type team, you know, the core, their two best players are 28 and 29. Being smart about how much you work on off days and how much you just take care of your body and be ready to go is important. I don't think we see load management. I'd say, I, don't, I would bet I'm taking the under on one half game load management for Dame. I do not think he will rest intentionally a single game this year. Just because if the Blazers do, they're a whole lot worse. I do think there'll be a lot of game, a lot of nights when uh, practice opens, a lot of afternoons when practice opens, and it's pretty clear that all Damian Lillard did was get some shots up and maybe watch from the sideline while his younger teammates went at it. Can't see a lot of practice days coming from a team that's going to rely on a bunch of dudes who are older than 28, you know, Kent Bazemore, Hassan Whiteside, CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, obviously Pau Gasol. Um, these are guys who have been in the league for, you know, five, seven, 15 seasons. Uh, they, they got it. They'll, 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 they don't necessarily need a really active practice time to get there. This is a little note that I want to dive into later because I think uh, in a lot of ways, for me, he is an X factor, a swing player for this entire season. But uh, a couple of the guys, including Neil Olshay, but include, uh, CJ McCollum among them, talks about uh, being impressed with what Mario Hazonia has done in training camp. Uh, or not training camp, pre-training camp. The Blazers have been in the practice facility for about two weeks. Pretty much every single person on the team has been there and playing, so they've got to know each other over the la over the, these two weeks before official training camp opens up. CJ talked a little bit about Mario Hazonia and being really impressed with him. Neil talked about how guys were really impressed with Hazonia. And CJ also mentioned Kent Bazemore. I think these are two wings that have sort of particularly Hazonia, but Bazemore's going to, he's locked into play, so I'm sort of less intrigued by him because I know he's going to have a role. Hazonia seems like he might have to earn one over this first month of the season or so. But the theme there is like, the Blazers just have more dudes who can dribble, more guys who can make plays, who can pass, who can do things um, that maybe Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu on the wings could not do. I think that could be value. I would throw Jake Lehman in that uh, category. He's a good, really good offensive player, but not a passer. 
Dude loved to shoot. Got buckets. Didn't help. Didn't help his teammates get buckets necessarily. But more guys who can more guys who can do more stuff. And finally, the the fourth little tidbit. I think the thing that you need to know coming out of media day is that Hassan Whiteside is just seems incredibly excited to be on this team. Maybe it's an act because he knows that people have questioned his attitude and he wants to be. Um, he wants to be perceived as as a very positive influence on this team. But even if it's not an act, he's fool. If it is an act, he's fooling me. Like I, he seems incredibly stoked, incredibly just a lot of excitement about being on this team. And um, so you know, just sort of the genuine happiness, genuine giddiness of joining a new team, being in a new situation. He talks so much about how excited he is to play with Damon CJ, how he is to get touches in spaces where he can be a playmaker. I don't think he's going to be much of a playmaker. It seems like it'd be weird if someone who never learned, never was a good passer, became a good passer, but maybe he will be. Maybe Stotts puts guys, maybe Terry Stotts' system puts centers in positions to be good at playmaking. And maybe Whiteside will be a good test. So I kind of ignore the playmaking stuff a little bit, but what Whiteside did say is that he wants to lead the league in rebounding and blocked shots. The last player to lead the league in rebounding blocked shots was Dwight Howard, who did it back-to-back seasons in 08-09 and 2009-2010. The Orlando Magic went to the NBA Finals in 2009. Dwight Howard was clearly the best center in the NBA. He was fantastic. Probably his physical peak at that time before things went south over the next two years and his career went a little sideways. But the point is, if Hassan Whiteside is 2009 Dwight Howard and is a dominant force on the glass and the league's premier shot blocker, the Blazers are going to be really, really, really good. Now, I don't know how realistic all that stuff is. Andre Drummond has pretty much dominated the rebounding crown for the last couple of years. And while Whiteside is an absolute glass eater and a, and a prolific shot blocker. Um, maybe not an elite defensive player but anymore, but still an elite shot blocker when it comes to just swatting shots. But the idea that he could lead the NBA in both those categories seems wild to me, but it is a good goal. And so many guys say just cliche, boring things at media day about how they just want to work hard and fit in and do whatever it takes and they're in the best shape of their lives and they've added a three-point shot and all these just dumb sort of like uh, bingo style cliches. I think Hassan Whiteside hitting me with specific, somewhat outlandish goals. I love it. I love the energy. Love it. And listen, if he's 2009 Dwight Howard, Blazers are going to be balling. They're going to be a team that chases the Western Conference Finals again if they added someone of his caliber. And oh boy, would it be quite a run if the Blazers were in back-to-back Western Conference Finals, or at least pushing for back-to-back Western Conference Finals. This team thinks it can be really special. They haven't even opened up day one at training camp. That happens Tuesday morning. We got news, y'all. Basketball is back. I'm excited. I'm enjoying it. And we haven't even... I haven't even seen anyone bounce balls yet. I haven't even seen anyone play actual basketball. I've just seen dudes in jerseys sit at the microphone. Real hoops coming soon. That means real lockdown blazers. A bunch of them coming soon. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and we're also streaming on Spotify. The season is here. Lockdown Blazers is going to be here the whole time. I really appreciate you guys listening, and I'll talk to you soon.